calling all pop culture enthusiasts. Are you obsessed with all things celebrity? Do you live for the drama, the laughs, and the unexpected moments that unfold on social media? Then you're going to want to tune into the Comments by Celebs podcast. Join us three times a week as we deep dive into every aspect of pop culture. Whether it's dissecting the latest trends or just chatting about your favorite celebs, Comments by Celebs has you covered. We have new episodes out every week. Follow and listen to Comments by Celebs on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. 971 FM Talk Podcast. You're listening to Ride at Home with Rich. And now, here's your host, Rich Horace. All right, good Saturday afternoon. This is Ride at Home with Rich, your top destination for all things home improvement. I'm your host, Rich Horace, and I am absolutely thrilled to have you join us today as we tackle some questions and have some conversations relevant to the housing industry and your homes. Our plan today, my right-hand man, Todd Bachman, has come up with some questions, conversations, thoughts that will hit close to home for everyone and shed some light on the future of the housing innovations that we have going on. Plus, again, every week, stick around for my On the Road with Rich segment and my hack. You're not going to want to miss those today, so sit back, get comfortable, listen closely to this information-packed episode of Right at Home with Rich. Hey, Todd, thanks for joining in today and coming up with some stuff for us to discuss. I'm really excited to to hear what some of this is. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Yeah, this is going to be a really fun episode. I think we have a lot of good topics, a lot of variety, so I'm excited to get started. Yeah, me too. Me too. What's um, So what's first on the list? What do we have that we want to spread around to everybody? Well, we were talking the other day during a break uh, of the show about you mentioned 3D printed houses, and that yeah. piqued my interest because you're kind of blowing my mind with it. So I thought yeah. it would just be a fun topic to discuss and uh, have some other people um, you know, hear the, the interesting things you had to tell me. So what are 3D printed houses, You know, and where is this happening? Oh, yeah. No, definitely. It's just like all those things that you've seen 3D printed, how they can make car parts and you know, all sorts of things, you know, printing is no longer just flat on a, on a piece of paper or whatever. They can do all sorts of amazing things. And they've actually come up with a way, this giant 3d printer to print the walls of a home, uh, the whole layout, exterior walls, interior walls. And I really think that, um, you know, this is going to be a, a very pivotal moment in in the history of construction. Mm-hmm. This is going to literally, you know, change everything. Kind of, you know, it, it's amazing that well, one, the 3D printed homes are going to be unimaginably cheaper to construct. In my opinion, I hope that it doesn't become the same cost as conventional construction because you know I know those things happen in the industry too where it's like they make it easier but then they look at the worth of yeah. what you'd have to do if you didn't and so then they just start raising the prices but I think that you know hopefully nothing like that is is going to happen but so there is a community this is going on in Texas and um there's this wider development in Georgetown, Texas, that's called Wolf Ranch. Um, it's located about 30 miles north of Austin, Texas. And there's a company called Icon, and they came up with this. The first time they demonstrated it was in 
2018. Um, that was the first one made, and they showed kind of the first abilities to do it. Since then, they have actually built a subdivision of of smaller homes. They're they're 800, 900 square feet, something like that. And they did it for homeless people. Oh, so really? so the first person to side residence in a 3D home was a homeless man. Um, and he's got a little like 850 square foot little house. Um, very, very inexpensive to construct, you know, how it's made and everything. So now they've got this thing big enough where they are literally 3D printing 1,500 to 2,100 square feet homes that are three to four bedrooms. And it's pretty amazing how it works because it's a, it's a concrete mix. Um, they call it lavacrete. Hmm. And um, it's basically, you know, piped into place with this giant, like 46 foot wide robotic. If you've ever seen a 3D printer, how it can like move around and they can have it go anywhere and it's all programmed in. Um, so it kind of just runs around and pours these beads of concrete. And, and basically they do two, two, two layers. So there's an inside and an outside kind of wall per se. Mm-hmm. And the space in between is where you get to run your electric, your plumbing, you know, all that stuff in there. And um, it, it's very strong, sturdy. They're putting, you know, steel in these things, you know, every so often in, inside these beads and, you know, it's it's pretty cool the way they put these things together. And basically, they're saying right now, the way they're doing it, these houses are going to be able to be constructed and sold from like 475000 to basically 600000 Okay. Um, so, you know, it, it, depending on where you're at and the size and all that, you know, could be could be cheaper than a conventional built home, you know, yeah. around here, something like that. So it's, it's really, really cool system and how they're doing this. It's, it's, it's amazing. Yeah. That's, and it's really interesting that they started with a, a homeless gentleman and that's great that they could do that for them. And, and hopefully they could do that with, with more people that are down on their luck and have affordable housing that way. Uh, that that's amazing, and it's really just shows kind of the importance of new technology uh, in the remodeling construction industry. How that's really going to change things? Do you think? Do you think it's going to change things for the remodeling industry as a whole? Maybe we have three D printed cabinets or floor tile or things like that. I think eventually, probably, absolutely. Um, it, it the importance of it is really greater, I think, than than people know or understand right now um, because there's kind of a twofold thing you know going on one is just kind of like that whole global housing crisis that that we're we're in that a lot of people Mm -hmm. might not understand of homeless people cost of housing you know the way everything's happening i just i don't even know how people afford houses without multiple families and you know, things like that. I mean, it's, it's amazing where the cost has gone on just buying homes, you know? So my first home we bought that was our starter home was, you know, when it was built, it was probably $8,000. When I bought it, 
it was 72,000 and you can look it up on Zillow right now. It's like $190,000 right, yeah. and it is not much of a house. Yeah. It's small. It's a starter home. It's in North County. You know, it was, it was the perfect place to start, but I, I can't imagine someone trying to start out paying $190,000 for a home. You know, it's like, yeah, and that's on the you, cheaper end. You I know? didn't know how we would afford it then. So I guess yeah. it's all relevant. But the, but then the other half is just the, the labor shortage, the rising material cost, you know, and, and the, of course, the pressure now, you know, as a globe to reduce, you know, your carbon footprint when you're building a house. You know, there's this whole thing with the gas and not using natural gas anymore. And, mm-hmm. you know, all these things that are coming about that we are up against. So the importance of having, you know, technologies like this, we are, we have been looking and we are looking for technologies and solutions to, you know, build more effectively, efficiently and more affordably. And I think this is, you know, going to be what it, what it is and, and how it works because literally you can put up the walls in a day mm-hmm. and it, and it takes like one or two people. Wow. And so imagine, you know, framing all of the walls in, in a day. And not only that, but it's also sited. The interior finish is done, the stuff. So when you look at, you know, how these things are put together and how a house is traditionally built, like when we build walls right now, building a home or a room addition or something like that, you know, you've got to frame the wall. You've got your your two by four framing you've got your drywall on the inside you've got trims to make the drywall look nicer mm-hmm. um, then you've got to paint that you go outside you got to put on your plywood sheeting you got to insulate in the middle you got to put some sort of house wrap flashing tapes all this stuff to dry this system in or you got to use a system that they say dries it in and you know won't leak and everything then you got to do siding soffit fascia all these things or paint you know, to the outside of this home, there's just all these layers. So just think about the waste from those layers. When we figure out materials, we're figuring out 10 to 20% of waste. Yeah. So when you print these concrete walls, there is zero waste, not an ounce. They literally stop anything left in the bin goes on to the next house. It's like, you know, kind of made as they go. So there's literally no waste and the the ability to shape this thing when anybody wants anything rounded or mm-hmm. curved you know remember that crazy bar we did yeah. that was rounded and it mm-hmm. had the lights that changed color and all that well when you want to build something curved man in traditional framing building working it raises the waste and the cost exponentially to be able to do that this thing it just it could spin in a circle if you program it in to do that so they make the they made the hallway walls just kind of wave and curve and and it's literally it would add literally no cost that's amazing what's happening so they can round all the corners you know they can do some really cool things and they're very energy efficient they're built faster they're more affordable it's a pretty novel design you know on on how they're they're doing this um, and, and the sustainability uh, of the system itself is quite amazing. 
um, of how they put the rebar in it and everything. So it's stronger. It, these walls are, are stronger than traditionally built walls. So it can withstand, you know, the hurricane winds and the different things without going outside of like how they have to build it traditionally. Yeah. And that reminds me of the, we were talking about that house in Florida that was yep. built to withstand a, a hurricane. It was like the only house that was, was left in the, these area yeah. of houses. Yeah. Can you t- mention that again? That was a crazy oh, story. Absolutely. Cause th- so this can be done and we can make it that sustainable, you know, out of traditionally building, but one, you, you know, your waste again is a big thing, but yeah, this house that they built in Florida is basically a hurricane proof house. They built it to withstand like 220 mile an hour winds or something like that. Um, it was up on stilts and they built it so that the stairs would, would rip away purposely mm-hmm. to not damage the structure and everything um, of it. So basically that was the only damage to this house, you know, when they did it. So there was a whole big thing of, you know, what did it cost? I don't know that they ever really put the true cost of this home and how they built it out there. But yeah, there was, they built this home in like, I want to say 2007 or something and a hurricane came through. And if you see a, like an aerial shot of the area, like mm-hmm. every house is absolutely destroyed and gone around Rough. it. And it's the only one left standing but I got to tell you, that had to add, you know, 30, 40% to the cost of building a house right. to make it that strong of a structure. And, and, you know, when you think about roofing shingles and stuff, you know, so they put on a metal roof and all this stuff, to, they, they lowered the overhang so that it wouldn't, you know, mm-hmm. blow the roof off, give it a place to catch wind and all that. Yeah. Well, shingle manufacturers honestly don't have a lot of incentive to make shingles last a whole lot longer. Right. Cause they get to sell more, exactly. you know? So, so that's a big thing there. Yeah. You know, it's like, so yeah, we can do it, but it will cost way more money. And I think this 3d printed thing will be better and longer lasting. Let's hope so. It's a fantastic idea. Well, I wanted to move on to uh, some kind of home tips and DIY things and, and maybe some good question and answer that we have going on here. I wanted to start with painting so you were uh, doing a lot of painting over at your son's condo recently, and that got me thinking. Do you have any pro tips for avoiding painting mistakes? Well, I'll tell you what. Um, so I got two things here because it's probably going to take a little longer than one minute. Okay. So um, I'm going to have part of something to do with painting in my hack. Excellent. Um, I will definitely get my whole list of tips out there right after the hack. But I wanted to hear real quick your little painting trick that you came up with with the rubber band well i saw it online i didn't come up with it i okay. say that and i haven't tried it yet so don't don't shoot yeah, the messenger yeah. if it totally fails on you but it's, it's essentially just taking a rubber band and putting it um around the paint can so that way the rubber band crosses over the top of the opening so you can take your brush and you can run it across that rubber band so that way it gets all the extra dribble of the of the paint yeah. off so it doesn't spill on the ground. And doesn't yeah. get around the side of the can exactly. and all of that and gets right in the can. That's a great little tip there. I, I love that. So, hey, we're going to get into our first break here. We'll do my hack and we'll have all these painting tips right after these messages when we're back. Calling all pop culture enthusiasts. Are you obsessed with all things celebrity? Do you live for the drama, the laughs, and the unexpected moments that unfold on social media? 
then you're going to want to tune into the Comments by Celebs podcast. Join us three times a week as we deep dive into every aspect of pop culture. Whether it's dissecting the latest trends or just chatting about your favorite celebs, Comments by Celebs has you covered. We have new episodes out every week. Follow and listen to Comments by Celebs on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. And now, here's Rich's Right at Home Hack. All right, guys, we're back. You heard the man. Time for Rich's Right at Home Hack, brought to you by Holper's Pest Control and Animal Solutions. You know what? No matter what unwanted bug pest animal is on, about, or in your home, contact Holper's today. You can find them at holperspest.com. And so today, I wanted to go through how to throw away paint, leftover paint that's no good anymore. Um, ended up needing to do this at, at my son's uh, townhouse. Um, there was some leftover paint from the last owners. And, um, you know, my wife was like, well, we just throw this away, right? And I'm like, oh, my gosh, you know. So I think first we should understand maybe why we should not just throw away a can of paint in the trash. And there's actually a couple reasons. One, with the VOCs that are in the paint, you know, the, the chemicals that are in there can easily become like vapor or gas, just evaporate into the air. And that is not great to breathe in. So, you know, it can cause headaches and dizziness and all sorts of breathing problems. So just getting too much of this into our air would not be a great thing. And then, of course, if it's improperly disposed of, you know, it can literally leak out. It can contaminate our drinking water, our groundwater. It can kill fish and all the other organisms in our lakes and streams and everything. And it's amazing the small amount of paint that can contaminate thousands of gallons of water if it gets into the system like that. So we definitely want to do it properly for that reason. Um, so how do you dispose of this? It depends on what type of paint you have. So your typical, what we use regularly, water-based paints is basically non-hazardous once it's solidified. So if you get it hard, it's fine. So you open the can of paint, you can add shredded newspapers, sand. I generally use kitty litter. They do make um, actual paint hardeners that you could buy like in the home improvement store, um, Cheap kitty litter is pretty easy to come by, and you can get a really big bag of it if you've got like a half a five-gallon bucket or something. Thoroughly mix that stuff up. Leave it open where it can sit around and dry. You're going to want to keep it away from your children, your pets, all of that. Let it solidify. Once it's hardened and you can't stir it anymore, put the lid back on, throw it out in the trash. Just takes a little bit of material and a little bit of time. But if you have an oil-based paint, um, not as much of that's used typically today, more on like stain killers and things like that. We used to use oil base a lot on exteriors and, and on trim and, and stuff like that. There's no good way to do oil based paint. You actually have to find a collection center and take it to either a real retailer or somebody that takes care of that. So you can search the internet if you go to paintcare.org or earth911 and that will show you like drop off locations in your area where you can get rid of oil-based paint. So please again, never try and do that with oil-based paint. So hopefully this is pretty easy and effective for you guys. Not much to your typical water-based paint. Um, if you wanna hear this hack or any of my hacks, 
again, every week, just search my social media, Rich Oris Mosby, and you can hear these over and over again as reminders, or if you want to look back and hear one that you can't remember all the details, they will be there for you. So, um, Todd, I wanted to get back into this paint thing. Um, yeah. There's so many different ideas, you know, out there about, you know, tricks to do and what to do. And and so I love kind of spreading the, the word on getting rid of the stuff, disposing right. There's so many things out there that, you know, we should know how to dispose of all of these items that are actually pretty common in our house. Um, we can get to that in a little bit, but uh, so I wanted to kind of run through this list and I would definitely say, you know, I just kind of sat down and thought about, okay, what do I do when I'm painting? You know, when I go to, when I go to paint and basically probably my first thing, most important thing on my list is quality tools. You definitely, you gotta buy good stuff because it will turn out better if you have you know, better brushes, better rollers, things like that. So if you were to go into uh, a paint store and I wouldn't necessarily recommend this at like a big box store, but if you were in like a Sherwin Williams or something like that, Reineke, look at the paint brushes and, and pick out what you think would be okay. And then take it to the counter and ask the guy, do any professional painters come in here, buy this brush and you'll find out right away you know, you're going to be buying a pretty expensive brush, but it is going to last a long time if taken care of well, and it's going to produce a much better job, a much better paint line, all of that. So it's almost half in the tools and the rest is, you know, the skill and the time and that you've done it, you know, one time or a thousand times. Um, another thing that I do every time I paint is, um, you know, kind of what you were talking about with the rubber band and yeah. getting that paint off the brush when you dip it and all this and that. Clean your brush halfway through the day. Even if you're not even going to, you know, I usually do it at lunch or whatever. Even if you're not going to stop, you're going to paint for six straight hours and you're not at, at hour three, completely clean that brush as if you're going to put it away and start over because there's so much buildup and dried up paint around the top and the edges where you know, you're not using it and, and you're dipping a little too, too deep. And then you're wiping off and all that, just clean it and get a fresh start and you will get a better product for the second half of your paint day. Um, when you use painter's tape and, and I'll warn most people, not a lot of professionals are putting, you know, they use tape more to protect something that's not getting paint as far as draping plastic over a mantle you know, different things like that, but we don't necessarily use the paint for the cut in lines. But if you're going to do that and there's some good paint for that, set that tape, basically take like a putty knife or a five in one tool and really kind of run it along that tape to make sure it's stuck down well. So it'll get less paint underneath the tape when you go to, you know, put it on and peel it off. Um, and when you are doing that, you know, try to cut in like as if the tape wasn't there. Basically, it'll get less paint on the tape and less paint getting underneath the tape at the same time. So you can practice and try and all of that. Um, another thing I do is a, a wider roller for the ceilings. 
um, and even or big walls that can work, you know, for, for larger living rooms and, and vaulted ceilings and stuff like that. But they make rollers that are 12, 14, and 18 inches wide. I have a, a 14 inch that I get from Home Depot that works really, really well. But you're literally painting five more inches with every every time you roll um, to get ceilings and things like that done. Um, another biggie for me is a damp rag carry and have a damp rag um, because when you get paint on something literally clean it off that instant and it just comes off easier comes off right away if you even cutting in you can wipe it up and even if it comes off the wall a bit then go back and cut it in again and, and it just will make a cleaner neater job in the end and you're not trying to get all this paint off after it dries um, so there, there's a whole big list. We could go on for pretty much, you know. I was going to say, it sounds day. like you have a, a bunch um, more in your in your holster. There. But oh, and there's, I would invite people to just look at, you know, all the different innovative things. There's a cut-in tool for like ceilings and yeah. stuff that you know with the wheels that right. if, if you practice well and you get good at it, it works really really well yes it does it, you know it doesn't work perfectly in every circumstance but you can go back and hit those imperfect spots and, and it'll get you across a lot faster and i use that on the top little bitty flat piece of the base trim like if you do it right and you have mm-hmm. the right amount of paint on there and you don't push real hard or anything you practice it i can turn that thing flat and put it up against the wall and run it across a piece of base trim right at that top edge and in seconds i have a perfect cut line wow and and so there's there's a lot like that so i would say investigate all these different tools that hold your brush and put it on a pole yeah those cutting tools go on a pole so you can get to higher places without you know climbing up a ladder so it's pretty innovative the things that we have just find them and check them out and and it's all about practice after that Excellent. All right. Well, it's getting colder outside, although this week had a couple of summer-like days, but it is getting colder outside. It's almost wintertime, and this brings up a good question. Uh, If you have a room in your home that tends to run colder than the rest of the house, do you have any solutions to warm it up? Oh, absolutely. This is definitely something we see all the time, and it could be multiple things. Um, And typically, um, when you have a room that's always colder in the winter, you have a room that's always hotter in the summer. It's kind of yep. the same thing. And really what you're trying to figure out is you, you got to kind of investigate your insulation, your air leakage, air infiltration, and your, your HVAC system. So if you kind of start out, it's a great idea to look at the walls, the ceilings with an infrared gun. And see if you do that when it's really, really cold out, you can see the temperature differences and where things may be leaking and all of that. Um, there are typical things you're going to find, like the windows. Yeah. That's like one of the biggest one every single time. Um, so you need to look at your exterior for caulk and things like that around your windows, test your windows. I just had that hack about how to test the seals yep. with a piece of paper. So look at that stuff, but also test the HVAC. Make sure, you know, the cold air vents and the in the supply vents aren't at the same level. I see that all the time in an older home where it's keeping the heat, you know, up higher or, you know, that sort of thing or the cool down low and it's not mixing up towards the, the ceiling. So there's a lot to do with that. The attic in the windows are typically 100% the most thing we find in 
insufficient attic insulation. Maybe it's been moved around and there's a dead spot. I've seen a, a section of a wall where they just didn't insulate two, two stud joist cavities where there was 32 inches of insulation yeah. missing in a wall. And the infrared gun will help find stuff like that. Um, so, but then once you figure that out, you can go into that fix of that particular problem. Um, and also looking at, you know, underneath the room, if it's on the first floor, insulating around the band board with, with the, uh, basement and all that getting cold air leaking in underneath the floor is another big spot. So it can be looked at, it can be investigated and, and it can definitely be figured out. So, um, Hopefully that'll help people get into some of this stuff. I do want to say real quick, I want to remind everybody about our our kitchen and window and door sale. We got going on a promotion with um, some financing that you can get 12 months, no payments, no interest, or you can get in place of that 5% off of your kitchen, your window or your doors and still do some financing with low monthly payments. So get with us before November 15th for that. We're going to take our break and we'll be right back. You're listening to Ride at Home with Rich. And now here's your host, Rich Horace. All right, guys, here we go. We are back last segment. And man, have we had some some good conversations here, some good topics and questions of what we should and or shouldn't be doing. And and I love doing these type of shows to get some information out there. I did want to kind of remind everybody also, if you have any of these things going on, if you've got that room that's always hot or always cold, something like that, you know, not only are is Mosby a full service design build remodeling company, we can get into all this remodeling stuff, but we have myself and plenty of staff members that can come out and we can figure that sort of stuff out. So we can, you know, exterior wise for leaks and problems and issues and, you know, figuring out the house scientifically, feel free to give Mosby a call to have us out there. Um, You can find us at callmosby.com. Our phone number is 314-909-1800. I'd love to come out and help some of you guys solve some of these, these issues for you. So just a little, you know, heads up on that. Feel free to get us to take a look at this stuff for you. So now let's get into a little bit more of this. What else do we have for people, Todd, here that uh, some some common questions or things that we've been thinking about? Yeah, here's a good question. I've seen this uh, plenty of times and it's a, a good question. Should I put plastic behind my drywall before I renovate? Yes, that that is a great question. And, you know, in our industry, this really typically should have been gone quite some time ago but i, I, I want to get into my on the on the road segment here um because it, it coordinates directly to this exact issue so again this segment is brought to you by english sweep for all your chimney and fireplace needs go to englishsweep.com they are great and effective and efficient and they can help you out with everything you need for your chimneys so Basically, you know, what happened was I I had one of my previous clients call me. We worked actually at his father's house and and this was the son called me and he said, you know, he said, Rich, he says, ah, you did all that structural work and and you understood the house so well at my dad's house. He's like, I'm having this renovation done by somebody else and, and I didn't think it'd be much of a big deal, but 
He said, I got this this giant I-beam I need you to come look at and, and see about getting this thing installed in my house. Um, and, and how he didn't think this job would be a big deal, I'm not real super certain. But when I got there, you know, there's this giant steel I-beam and they're opening up a wall in the first floor and right down the middle, holding up the entire second floor of the house. And basically, you know, the person doing the work, he had the architectural plans, all that, but the company doing the work just didn't have the capacity to put this I-beam in, didn't realize what it was going to be or what it was going to take, which again was a little surprising to me because I was like, well, if you look at what it says right here, it tells you that this beam is like 32 pounds per foot and it's as long as half of your house. So, you know, it's like trying to put a Toyota in your living room ceiling. So yeah, this is, this is a much bigger deal, you know, and when I, when, when we were looking at it and I was taking some pictures and going to figure out how to install this beam for him, I saw in the kitchen, the exterior wall, they had just stripped everything in that and they, they did the plumbing and then they put plastic right across this wall and the drywall wasn't installed yet. And this was in uh, like 2018, 2019 or so. This is like four years ago. This is not like this was, you know, I mean, we learned this stuff and, and, and stopped using this and learned about the scientific end of how the, how the house works. Oh gosh. Probably in 2001-ish. Um, so I would hope by now, but you still see it. People still, you know, we get stuck in these trends of what we do. So the, the, the real answer to the question is it depends on where you are and what your climate is. So plastic as a system in a wall system will work fine and well if you put the plastic on the warm side of the wall, whatever side's going to be the warmest. So we're in St. Louis, right? Mm-hmm. Everyone says stick around. The weather will change. Well, yeah. In the winter, that's inside, and in the summer, that's outside. So how do we do it? Well, we we can't. you know. So if you're somewhere that it's always 80 degrees and, or above and, and you're going to you know keep your house cooled at 72, you can put it on the outside. It'd be great. You know, you're in Canada, and it's always, you know, it never gets to, you know, above 70, and you're going to always be trying. Then you're probably fine on the inside. It's, it's really you know, how that system works. So for us, it has to just go away and we have to let the wall breathe. So your house wrap on the outside of the house as a, as a water shed flashing system will also breathe. So it will let that moisture vapor out of the wall while not letting water inside and through the wall. So that's why we came up with that system. So if you ever go to re-drywall something or remodel and you see that plastic in there from an 80s, 90s home, built home, rip that stuff out of there every chance that you can get because it is still around and it's not good for our area at all. Yeah. Well, that's a great thorough answer. Very, very good. Okay. So Halloween is oh, yeah, right around the week. corner. Yeah. It's on Tuesday. So yeah. I wanted to ask you what you've been. You've worked in a lot of older homes. Oh, gosh, yes. 
<laughs> Have you ever seen anything spooky, anything, you know, haunted, something weird you couldn't explain? Oh, we need like some noise in the background. Like, Ooh, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. I'll tell you what, um, probably the worst one that, that, that I had, um, I was working late. I was by myself and just trying to get through this project, running behind schedule. So I'm there. It's like eight o'clock at night. It's absolutely dark outside. And, and I'm drilling through floor joists in the basement to put in like some plumbing pipes or different stuff like that. And I'm telling you, someone walked across the floor mm-hmm. as I was doing this. And, and I'm sure, you know, as I look back, it's like, well, it's probably an effect of like me drilling and the wood. I don't know. But so, so I kind of stopped and, and I was like, hmm. And, and, and so I did it again and, and I heard it again. So I went upstairs and I made sure like the door was locked and everything. And, and I kind of went back down and, and I did it again. And the third time I heard it, I went and, and I searched the house and, and there was yeah. an old set of stairs that went up to kind of like an could be finished, unfinished attic area that had the wood plank floor. Like, it, oh my gosh. So I, so I even go up there cause I'm like either someone's in his house or something really super weird is going on. So I searched up there and I'm telling you, there was no one in this house. I understand houses. I understand every nook and cranny in a house. And I looked in every nook and cranny and I went back downstairs and I started working. And on the second hole, I'm telling you, someone walked from one side of that kitchen above me to the other. I set my drill down on the basement floor. I walked over, I unplugged it. I went straight upstairs. I walked out the front door. I hit the light behind me. I locked the door and I went home. (laughs) He said, that's enough. I was like, I've just, yep, I've had plenty. Like, uh, yeah, I unexplainable. Absolutely. So you, it was not from the reverberation of drilling in the floor. It couldn't have been. Yeah. Not possible. Not that much when it happened the fourth time. And I was like, I'm done. Yeah. Oh man, that it was is creepy. It, it was very, my hair is standing up right now. Just thinking about that evening. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, working by yourself at night, you know, your, your imagination starts running wild. So I can, I can definitely see where that spooked you. And who knows, maybe it was. You on never it know. Sure. Right. Well, what about just general safety tips for Halloween? Do you have any Halloween safety tips for people out there? Yes, absolutely. You know, because we all talk about like the safety tips for like when you're with your child and trick or treating and going around and everything, but no one really talks about, you know, what you should do and and for your home and everything, you know, for an event like this. So basically I would say one, keep your porch well lit, you know, everybody put that porch light on, uh, make sure it's lit well. Clear all your walkways, leaves, branches, stuff like that. Check your extension cords. A lot of people have, you know, their decorations. So make sure that they're out of the way. They're not a trip hazard or they're taped to the to the uh, concrete, something like that. Also, check your railings if you have steps. Just give them a good wiggle. Make sure they're 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 good and sturdy. Park either in your garage or off the street, not on the front of the house. Um, Keep your pets away from the door, kind of, you know, restrain them in a room or something. If they like to try and get around the door, skip the open flames. That's a big one Uh, in, in the pumpkins and everything. You can use those little fake candles that will light up, things like that. If you do have an open flame, 
bigger one, like, cause you know, we used to be on a court, we'd do the big fire pit, have a fire extinguisher nearby outside ready to go just in case. Uh, another big one is test your smoke alarms, like push the button, hold it in, make sure they're all working and sounding throughout the house. Cause if something did happen, you want to make sure those smoke alarms are working for you and everything. And then, you know, if you have a dark Halloween costume, like we talk about with the kids and everything, wear something that glows, make yeah. them be seen, get the the necklace, that sort of stuff so that, you know, we can just all be safe and everything this Halloween. So there's a lot you can do around your house to kind of make it ready for everybody. Um, and again, if you need help with any of this stuff, you can contact Mosby. We'd love to come out and see you, help you out. 314-909-1800, callmosby.com. You can stop in to our, our office in Kirkwood on 115 West Argonne. Have a conversation with them. Let them know what you want to do. We can get appointments and stuff set up. Love to come out and see y'all, meet y'all. And for everybody else, have a good week and a safe Halloween. And we'll talk to you next time. Get more at 971talk.com. Calling all pop culture enthusiasts. Are you obsessed with all things celebrity? Do you live for the drama, the laughs, and the unexpected moments that unfold on social media? Then you're going to want to tune in to the Comments by Celebs podcast. Join us three times a week as we deep dive into every aspect of pop culture. Whether it's dissecting the latest trends or just chatting about your favorite celebs, Comments by Celebs has you covered. We have new episodes out every week. Follow and listen to Comments by Celebs on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.